Hey everybody, welcome to episode two of the Jaded 1%. Uh, in episode one, Joe and I uh, told you a little bit more about who we were. And by the way, I'm Dave. And I'm Joe. And uh, we appreciate you being here uh, for episode two. Uh, this time around, uh, instead of telling you about ourselves, we'd like to tell you a little bit more about uh, the Jaded 1% and why we're doing this. So, uh, Joe... I'm actually going to turn it over to you and let you kind of broaden our horizon in terms of what the Jaded 1% is all about. So I'm just going to read from the website and the mission statement, and it says, to discuss and navigate military police life with a Christ-centered life and how those two should intertwine. Um, you know, not just with this job, but with any job. There's a life inside the church and then a life outside of church, you know, the one that goes to work every day. Um, sometimes those two intertwine, but I think more often than not for most of us, they don't. Um, and I think especially with, uh, military and police life, uh, it makes it even more difficult. So, um, you know, in those jobs and these professions, you know, you're talking about dealing with society's worst, you know, um, domestically and, uh, overseas and, um, with that worse comes a lot of brutality sometimes. And um, over time, we build calluses up. We divorce ourselves from the emotion um, that we normally have. And uh, we put, it's, a, it's a wall that we put up. And so um, it's difficult to say, oh, yeah, Jesus, enter into this job when we've got our gun on somebody. You know, you're in the middle of it, and guns are drawn. Nobody's thinking, oh, how do I show Jesus in this moment? That does not really cross anybody's mind. I would venture to say, ever in history. Um, and so uh, the reality is, um, if if we've been called to faith, if if we are people of faith, um, I'm quite certain that Jesus wants our lives to foc- be the foc- um, to focus around Him first, and everything else second. And so. Um, that's where we are with this this conversation. That's why this you know ministry exists. Is that's it right there? We need to be you know showing you know the life of Christ more in our lives and everything that we do, especially the job. And um, just so everybody knows, I don't have that answer, and I know that you, Dave, don't have that answer. And so this is a, an ongoing discussion. You know, this just kind of sprouted from uh, my own convictions. Um, and, um, I can't help but think there's a lot of people who are wondering, how does this even work? And it's an excellent question that we need to, we really need to dive into. Yeah. And that's, I I think that's one of the things I do want to echo is just the Joe and I don't claim to have all the answers. Uh, we definitely feel like this is a dialogue. This is a conversation and not just between the two of us because we have a microphone in front of us, but uh, we want to invite others in um, to share their thoughts, their opinions with us. Uh, Ideally, we hope that plays out with actually having people uh, sit with us in front of a microphone and and discuss some of those issues that are out there. Um, But I I can definitely relate to what um, Joe is saying and this has been a part of my journey in terms of I actually worked at a church before becoming 
a, a police officer. And I had this mentality of, I had to prove myself. I had to be tough. I had to be cool. I had to be, uh, you know, strong enough to do this job. And uh, one of my favorite authors is Dallas Willard. And he has a book called The Divine Conspiracy. And, and in the book, he talks about a Christian soldier who references the um, Sermon on the Mount from Jesus in Matthew 5, and particularly verse 5, where he talks about, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And one of the things that he, Dallas Willard, the author, draws out from this is this idea of, as we become Christians, we don't necessarily have to be meek. But if you are meek, then you will inherit the earth. And I think a lot of times we read uh, the Beatitudes as, oh, I need to be this to be a good Christian. Or I think the opposite of tr- is true of Jesus saying, no, if you are these things, then there is a place for you in the kingdom. And this idea of being meek really kind of doesn't jive with being in the military, doesn't jive with being a police officer. And I know for me personally, that was kind of one of the first things that I sort of tried to prove or I tried to shed. I tried to, uh, you know, be this person like, okay, I'm tough. I can, you know, I can handle these rough situations. I can do what needs to be done. I can help people. I can rescue people. I can, uh, you know, kind of, I, I, I guess there's a sense of, I had to prove how macho I was, how tough I was. And that that's really silly after having done the job for 15 years. But well, well I don't think it's that silly. Cause I remember, you know, you know, I started my military career in the Marines. You know, I'm 19 years old. I'm in boot camp, and you know, it's all about discipline breakdown. But I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, you know, I'm half Latino, so it's mochissimo <laughs> attitudes that this, that that kind of come out among the drill instructors, and then trying to um, pull that out, you know, of all the recruits, and they use it to kind of inspire and to, to to push and to create this drive and fire inside of you but i think it's um it's probably it might be worse than the marines and some of the other branches but you know it's definitely bred into you and you know it's over time you know i think that you see guys start to chill out a little bit it still exists there's still these competitions but as far as the the macho play stuff you know it's usually the younger guys that are doing it and it's funny um you know, I wanted to pursue special operations, you know, special forces in the military. And so, you know, having done the research and having met those guys and becoming friends with some of them and having friends that went off and did it, the tougher the guys are, the more meek I actually found them to be. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which, you know, they're um, um, they're not show-offs. Mm-hmm. They're not uh, arrogant. There's a lot of humility. Um, um, that doesn't mean they're perfect. I mean, they've got broken marriages and, you know, and a bunch of other issues that go along with that kind of lifestyle. But I, I find it interesting that you've got one side that's trying to prove themselves because they want to be Billy Badass. And then the guys that are actually doing it that are, have finally, you know, kind of arrived, so to speak, realize there's no room for that. And, and you've got nothing to prove. 
no. It's so hard just to get there. And then it's even harder to get through just the initial training Mm -hmm. that there's almost, I wonder if there's almost nothing left to give to show because there's just, there's so little room for it anyway. Um, but yeah, even, even still though, you know, I've been out since, you know, April of 2014 and I still feel this, this this pull every once in a while that I have to tout, you know, you know, or, or, throw that out as a, as a resume builder, like, oh, yeah, I was in the military, or I did this. Mm-hmm. And realizing, yeah, you know, <laughs> part of me just doesn't want to care anymore. But it's so ingrained as part of my history now that, you know, you can't just up and forget it. Yeah. So ultimately, I think one of the things that we're looking at, particularly, well, I, I think at its core with the jaded 1% is can being a Christian coincide with being a police officer? Can it coincide with being in the military, with being special forces, with being, uh, you know, SEAL Team 6 to <laughs> hold it to the, you know? Um, are, are those mutually exclusive things? Do If I'm a Christian, can I not be a police officer? Can I not be? No, I think that they, they're not mutually exclusive. Um, and maybe um, we need more believers in those jobs because of how detrimental they may be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there definitely needs to be this um, overflow of, of Jesus into those jobs. Can they exist? Absolutely. How do they do that? Not sure yet. Still Not working sure. on it. So interestingly, um, one of the things you said was an overflow of Jesus into those jobs. Right. I don't think we should necessarily recruit Christians into the harder jobs in the military, the police. I don't think that's the goal, but I think that, you know, um, I wonder if being a Christian sometimes inhibits us from going where we feel our, we're pulled. Um, you know, for me, you know, I have had special forces, special operations stuff, you know, on my heart for a long time. And, um, I was actively pursuing that. I was working out, so much it was ridiculous. I mean, it's just crazy. You know, ask my wife, my re- workout r- routine, it, it was ridiculous. It really was hours every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a conviction that that's not where I was supposed to go. And when I said no to that job, I cried. I mean, I mourned it because mm-hmm. that literally is my dream job. Of all the things I could do in the world, that's what I want to do. And I said no to it. And I think the world would say, You're a fool. But I think God says, I want to take everything that you have, your desire in that, your, your talent and gifts in that, but I want it on a different battlefront. And at the time, I had no idea what that was. And here I am doing this. And I, so I think that we don't recruit from it, but you know, when we look at it from a perspective of our beliefs drive us and convict us, I wonder if sometimes we feel like the churchy thing is, we know that certain jobs are are way more dangerous and geared towards you know that combat um, quote unquote um, idea like tag teams for the for police departments, you know infantry special forces stuff for the military. Um, I wonder if we shy away from those things because of conviction, like oh it's just not where Jesus would have me be. And I think that it's the opposite. I think God creates identity and puts his 
you know, this unique thumbprint of an, of an identity on us that we feel pulled to certain places. And I don't think we should ignore it. I think we should go to those places because he's already there. But he wants us to share the light. He mm-hmm. wants us to be that light. You can't do that if you're never there in the dark. And we're, you're not going to be alone. Is it going to be tough? Yeah, absolutely. It's always going to be tough. If it was easy, everybody would, everybody would do it. But we need to listen to our conviction at the same time and not shy away from those. So I think if, if people are feeling a pull towards a particular job, but you feel like it doesn't line up with your you know, beliefs, so to speak, unless it's morally or ethically wrong, go do it. Mm-hmm. Because you can, Jesus is going to be right there with you for the ride. You know, and he's probably the one giving you the nudge like, hey, you've got something to give. You've got something to offer. I made you uniquely. Go do it. And just let everybody know while you're there you know, what your number one is. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not to say we stand on a soapbox and start, you know, Bible thumping people. Right. But you just live out your faith. You know, when people ask you, why do you, why do you do what you do? Just say, I, I have a faith centered on Christ. Make it simple. You, it's, that can, even that can start with a conversation. You know, some, so that's why I said, you know, we need to be active by listening to the Holy Spirit when we feel compelled to go places that, you know, the, quote unquote church may not see as you know, well, that's not what God would have you do, kind of thing. Yeah, it's not really their call. It's that's between you and God. Everybody else needs to butt out. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I just want to say I agree wholeheartedly uh with what you are saying. And uh in many ways for me personally, this has been a fifteen year journey of um you know, I worked in the church and literally came home one day to my wife and just said, I can't continue with this. I can't do this anymore. And when she asked me what I wanted to be, I was like, well, I want to be a police officer. And it was, it was almost like I was confessing this like dark sin or this dark secret of well, I'm a Christian and I want to be a police officer. Right. But when I said it, it was like this weight that I didn't even know was there was like lifted for me. And uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree that Christians really need to be part of just about every aspect of our world and our community and jobs. And it's not just about working at the church. It's not just doing jobs that are um, you know, service oriented. Uh, it, it is truly, I, I, like I wholeheartedly believe, you know, Jesus was born, um, at a time where, where he worked at a carpenter because that's who his dad was. But I do believe that he could be in the military, that he could be a police officer and that he would be pretty dang good at it. Probably. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and that's, it's just interesting. uh, You know, it's another one of Dallas Willard's things that I've come across is when you ask people about, you know, who's the expert in this or who's the smartest person in the world, we don't often, well, we almost never name Jesus as somebody. But the reality is, is if Jesus was a police officer, he'd be the best freaking police officer out there. Right. You know, he would have that balance of, 
serving justice, but at the same time being compassionate with people. Um, you know, I, in terms of the military and going to war, um, killing another human being. It's a big deal. Is a big deal. And it's a, it's, it's a reality right. of if I enlist uh, and, and become a, a soldier, if I um, yeah, I'm not exactly 100% sure how it always works, but if I, I go in as a, as a, um, I'm not enlisted, but I'm a, an officer, an officer. Thank you. <laughs> so if I go into the military as an officer, because my route is different then I mean, you can still serve Jesus. You can still be that Christian example. And well, I think part of it is that we really sh- um give God the short end of the stick on that when we don't really go with our convictions. Mm-hmm. I think the convictions are, you know, that little voice. I, I, I don't know if it's our conscience so much as maybe it's the Holy Spirit actually trying to speak to us. And I wonder how often, not just us, but everybody, we just stifle it because we're like, oh, that doesn't you know, line up per se to what normal Christians would do. Right. You know, and... We're tethering. You're really going to tether the power of God. You're really going to try to tether what He's capable of through you. I mean, faith says that even a mustard seed can, you know, move mountains. It can shift everything with just that much, because it's backed up. It's financed by by God. So um, it's short sightedness on our part when we when we fail to listen, when we fail to act, you know, on our convictions. You know, even with something as simple as that. Yeah, and I, I know for me personally, I, I don't like to live with regrets, but I know I am much... That. What's that? Good luck with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know I am much bolder in my faith now, after having done this job for 15 plus years, than I was at least in the first 10 years of doing that. And one of the things that I think is really particularly interesting for me personally are the number of people that I work with who would consider themselves Christians, but yet I never really proclaimed Christ. They never proclaimed Christ to where we could go, oh, interesting. You're a police officer. I'm a police officer. You consider yourself a Christian. I consider myself a Christian. Well, what does that look like for us? Instead, my experience has been kind of this idea of kind of covering it up and hiding it, which I think is pretty normal. I think that's, um, you know, I, I remember my time in the military and those kinds of conversations that come up were really small groups of people after a while, not just not immediately. Those aren't immediate conversations. Um, you know, you hear someone say, well, after church, you're like, oh, you go to church, you know, that's how that stuff comes up. It's, yeah. it's you don't talk about it. You almost you almost repress it. Mm-hmm. You know, you just it's not that you're embarrassed, but you don't. You almost don't. You're like, ah, I don't want to go down this road because you know it's like I just don't want to make this a thing. It's always that I just don't want to make it a thing. I don't want them to think about something about me that's not true. Well, guess what? They're already doing it because you haven't talked about it. Yeah, I, and and truly, I think you're spot on. It's like. I know for me, I wasn't really embarrassed by it, but I don't want to make it a thing. I think is a great way to define that. I don't want to make this. And you know what? 
personally, as I'm saying that, I'm like, well, Jesus should be the thing. I mean, it should be the main thing of what I'm excited to talk about and to share uh, with others. And um, I think uh, hopefully as you're listening, you're getting the feeling of of the fact that um, this is what we're here to talk about. This is what we're here to sort of say, how do we as military, as police, people who believe in Jesus, how are we better about making our faith more prevalent in what it is that we do? Right. And even in that, I don't even think there has to be this like, hey, look at me, I'm the Christian, oh, no. and I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing all the right things, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Not at all. I, I think that... I, would, I think if we were, you were to do that, Jesus would just tell you, stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> Please, I, I did, just stop. Stop right now. <laughs> Knock it off. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do that. You don't need to do that. Stop. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, you're exactly right. And um, Part of that, I think, just starts with getting in the Word. It's something simple between you and God. Um, he's going to create opportunities. He's going to create discussions. He's going to create you know, everything that you need. Mm-hmm. And, pre- and prepare you for whatever's coming down the road, if yeah. you're willing. And that's, yeah. the, that's the great thing about this, is that if you're willing, he'll prepare you when the time is right. And, and as I'm finding out with this ministry, um, there's kind of this, what the hell am I doing? Because I, I, <laughs> I haven't gone to seminary at all. I haven't mm-hmm. been formally trained. Um, and neither were the disciples. I, I know. And <laughs> there's plenty of examples in, throughout the Bible with that. Um, but I feel like modern day Christianity cre- says that as a litmus test mm-hmm. that, uh, oh, well, you want to do ministry. Well, you, you should have gone to ministry. Leave that to the professionals. Um, you know, you just have to say, yeah, I'll go. You know, God's going to give you what you need when you need it. Um, um, and for anybody that, you know, might be listening, Dave and I decided at the beginning, we're not doing notes. Every bit of this is going to be raw. And so I, I just have to know and trust that the Holy Spirit's going to give me the words to say at the time. You know, we can start off with a, a point that we want to make, you know, like what is the jaded 1% about? But um, I think that's the whole point is that we have to trust God implicitly in every little thing. That is not easy. I have, I'm 38 years old, and I have just now come to a point in my life where I can say, yes, I trust God implicitly. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my head trusted God a long time ago, but quite frankly, that's the easy part, but my heart didn't follow along very well. Um, and that's tough. That's tough when, when you feel like your you know, convictions at the same time, you're not going, even though you feel a nudge. So first things first, go to the source. This is between you and God. Get into the Word. You, you don't know what He has in store for you unless you, you open up His Word and start reading about Him. And, and He's going to tell you some pretty amazing things. And it may not be the exact same thing that a counterpart of yours is going to be experience, experiencing. So that's, that's the other part. You know, when Dave reads a, a passage, when I read a passage, you and I are going to get two different things out mm-hmm. of it. You know, so, um, yeah. Start with simple. You know, we don't need yep. to. We don't mean to make this a thing. God doesn't want to make it. Want, doesn't want us to make this a thing. He really doesn't. You know, he just wants a relationship. Yeah. So. Yeah, 
And, and so I'm going to piggyback on that and say, and I think the second thing is, is part of why Joe and I are doing this, the jaded 1% is to kind of say, Hey, you're not alone. Right. Yeah, and, definitely. And, and we'd love to have you join us. Um, whatever that looks like. I don't think we completely know a hundred percent. Um, but we want to say to those of you that are out there that have found us that, um, there are those of us from the military, from the law enforcement that are desiring to pursue, uh, Jesus and live a life that, uh, glorifies him. However, that manifests itself in its job. And I was sharing with Joe before we started that this week for me has really just, um, pointed out to me what being jaded means. And, um, where I police, we recently had a, a triple homicide and that triple homicide occurred in a very public place where a lot of people know the location, experience the location. And I've had well-meaning people come up to me and ask me how I'm doing with that. And as I was asked that question, I just feel like that 15 years of law enforcement and the day in and day out of doing the job just kind of flooded to the top for me of just saying, you know what? And, and this, is, this is, even as I say this, I realize that this is jaded. The triple homicide is quote unquote easy. Like we can kind of wrap our head around that. Uh, the part that I have personally found to be difficult. And I feel like as I've talked to the officers that I work with and they, they agree on some level is that it's the things that don't make the headlines that can be difficult. Like, like an infant child who dies before it's their time mm-hmm. and not just it, it, and because it's an, an accident and the officers that have to perform uh, life-saving measures on that child and those life-saving measures are ineffective. And then how do they deal with that? Or, you know, personally, I was on a call where a 73 year old, uh, was dead on the floor. He had died alone in his home. He has family around him, but he died alone on his floor. And, uh, there was just this moment for me of like realizing that's how old my dad is. And my dad lives alone and just wondering, is my dad going to end up the same way? And I guess all I am saying is, is I, there was a very real palatable, tangible experience for me this past week of going, uh, I, I see my jadedness in terms of dealing with death and the things we experience, I can't, and even as I'm talking about law enforcement, I know the folks that are in the military and that have been deployed and have experienced things that I can't even begin to imagine. It's a different kind of jaded, but jaded is still jaded in the end. Yeah. You know, it's just, it has a different effect on you, but ultimately the whole point is, you know, you're callous to the things that you shouldn't be callous to. You know, you get upset over the things that, you know, a question even. Yeah. Why are you getting upset over a question? Why are you getting so offended with me asking just a question? Especially a well-intentioned yeah. question yeah. that from somebody that really wants to know how I'm doing. Yeah. And part of it is because the, the, them not being an, 
either one of those circles, they just don't get it. You know, and that's part of, you know, where we need to learn to give grace, you know. And that's part of this, you know, learning to give grace, you know, because some people, they literally just don't know. Quite frankly, that's most people. They just don't know. And they're never going to get it. And that's all right. That's not who they're supposed to be. There's room. Thank you for um, putting that into words for me. Um, Anything else you want to touch on or hit on before we end our time tonight? No, just uh, stay with us as always, you know. This is a long road. Um, It's a marathon, not a sprint. So save yourself. Yeah. So thank you for joining us. Uh, If you've stumbled upon the podcast from some other way besides through our website, the website is thejaded1percent.com. And that is T-H-E-G-A-A-D-E-D, the number one percent spelled out dot com. So it's all words, all letters, except for the number one, which is an actual numeral. So the jaded one percent dot com. And then if you want to email us and ask us a question, give us a suggestion, give us some feedback, you want to share your story. Uh, it's the jaded one percent at gmail.com. And again, it's the spelled out jaded spelled out one is in the number one and uh percent spelled out.com. So hopefully that makes sense to you and I'm not making that more convoluted than it needs to be, but we'd love to hear from you. We'd love some feedback and we know it might be a while before we have that, uh, whether that's, well, you have no idea when we're recording this. So, uh, (laughs) you may stumble upon us a month from now, three months from now, a year from now, 10 years from now. Um, if we're still doing it, then we'd love to hear from you. So, uh, thanks so much uh, for giving us your time and and uh, um, listening to us and um, being a part of this journey with us. So, um, with that, I think we're gonna say good night and safe. goodbye. Be safe. Thanks. <laughs>